great intro for me. And it wasn't even for me. Uh, so last week, Pastor Kobe started the Blueprint series, or, or some, uh, he preached on Blueprint, and he showed us this real live blueprint of his home that they built, and this is the final product right here, and they are in their home living, but he taught us that before this beautiful ending, there was lots of foundation problems, lots of problems. Mm. And then there was electricity, and then there was plumbing, and then there was choose the cabinets, and then there was all that stuff that had to happen before, go back, to the fin- before you get to the final product. So all kinds of things had to happen. So there's the final product. So thank you, ladies. So what's happening today is you can sit down. Good, my goodness. You're standing up. So um, what's happening today is, uh, I am fixing to introduce the amazing final product. We have a guest today. Um, we have Joseph coming straight from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Write that down in case you don't know the story. Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And what you're seeing as Joseph comes out is the final product. And then we will go through... Um, how he got to be this final product. So here he is, Joseph from the Old Testament. I don't know his last name. This, remember, remember through this interview that I get to do with Joseph. I'm so honored that I was chosen to do this interview with Joseph. Uh, Remember, this is the final product. This is not how it started. So have a seat, Joseph. You know, Joseph would have liked church clap when he came out. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, it's been a long time. (laughs) It was a long time getting here. We're going through the getting here. Well, Joseph has been talking uh, in the past, or he used this guy named Dennis Hill to talk about blueprint, God print, and what she just showed you was so powerful. Uh, I think we forget, even through many situations and through time, and we think the world has control right now, but it doesn't. I know, because that's where I've been, and the endeavors and the places that God has taken me and allowed me to go through. Uh, I'll share with you all the emotions that I had. Uh, But I want to tell you a story. Uh, Every believer has a God print. Every believer. I said believer. Now, if you're not a believer, uh, you know, your God print is absent, but it's uh, waiting for you to just make a profession, confession, a declaration of faith. And, of course, Christ Jesus. It's when you get born again and the life of Jesus is given to you. From this moment forward, the plan of God, when given the opportunity. Now, that's a key, Robert. I know you from the past. You're pretty old. Um, When given the opportunity, I want you to hear me. Given the opportunity. 
begins to manifest his will for your life. As soon as the God print goes into your life, goes onto your heart, there's a change that he won't even force you at that point. But there has to be that submission. And that's the opportunity that I'm talking about. Since many people are involved in this journey along with you, it seems as though they can prolong or expedite the journey. Isn't that right? You can drag it out and make a situation last longer than it's supposed to, or they can expedite it, speed it up, make it quicker. But truly, I believe, ultimately, it is God who deals with us to prepare us for the highlights of his purpose. His highlights may not be your highlights, but they're his highlights. And that's what, he, that's what this God print is all about. I think we reject a lot of times when this plan begins to take place, but when we first get born again, what do we do? I'll do anything. I'll stand anywhere. I'll submit to you in any situation you call me to until you call me to. <laughs> I know, as I share with you the details of my life, you will hear how God had to take me through many things that I thought were places of defeat, rude, wrong, and indifferent, and yet you see the final product of what God can do if you stay the course. So uh, this picture here, this is a picture of Joseph uh, when he was much, much, much younger, and so Joseph, um, he had 11 brothers. And so Joseph, can you tell us some things about your family and its development when you were like this age back here? Well, as she said, I was, uh, I was the 11th child of 12 uh, sons born to Israel. His real name was Jacob. You may have heard about him somewhere. If you've read your Bible any or, you know, they didn't have a Bible back then, so we were living it. Uh, it's really awesome. When I got here today, I saw many of these things, and I asked somebody what they were outside, and they told me they were Bibles. And I said, what's a Bible? And they said it was God's Word, and I began to open it up, and I saw this chapter in Genesis, and, you know, I'm a really fast reader. And I got to 34 through 50, and I'm all in it. I mean, I'm all in it. My life is recorded. It's really exciting. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. It was my dad. His name was Jacob. It was cheater, liar, deceiver. And then it was changed to Israel, which meant prince with God. Now, even Jacob, my dad, had to go through many things to get to this place. But that's another story. That's another God print. Having ten older brothers was not so easy. Having one brother is not so easy. Amen? But ten older brothers... I mean, think about this. There was a lot of competition to gain any kind of notoriety. And that's, you know, boys, listen, boys are different. Boys, I mean, if you don't want to know what a wrestling match was, who could throw the farthest stone and who could hit somebody in the face with the best stone? I mean, there were many things that we did for notoriety. My mom was Rachel. She died giving birth to my younger brother. Benjamin, since my dad married sisters, I know that's kind of strange, and I think so too, but there was always this strained relationship between the two. 
Her name was Leah. My mom was Rachel. It was a strained relationship. I didn't quite understand it. I heard a story when I was growing up about my dad being deceived by my grandfather. I think his name was Laban. During some of uh, some marriage ceremony. You know what I'm talking about? I heard this story. I really didn't get it all. I just heard my older brothers talking when I would come around. They, shh, shh. I don't know why I wasn't supposed to hear this, but uh, it seemed like there was a lot of conflict between Rachel and Leah and, of course, my dad. I really don't know for sure, but that's what I think. Just telling you what I've heard. Also, I had an uncle, Esau. I hear he was a bad man. And I mean that, and he was a bad man. I mean, he didn't lose many wars. But one that he did lose was to my dad. And I really didn't understand all of that. I heard a lot of stories about that. I, I tried to piece all this together to make sense, but, you know, that's what happens when you're the 10th uh, the son or the 11th son and 12 sons, and you just hear bits and pieces and parts because everybody before me has already told the story so much, it's changed many times. Esau and my dad, yeah, they had this falling out. I don't know, it was about something. Oh, I can't remember, but I did meet him once. He was a bad man. So, Joseph... What was it like growing up and finding your place in this large family? As I think it is most difficult for each of us, even today, to find our place in our families. To find your place that fits where your father wants you and where your mother wants you and where God has placed you probably is the most difficult task for any child. I think that's probably the reason why we go through so much difficulty is maybe we're not instructed by our parents or maybe you had a life like I had. Uh, so much difficulty and so many children and a couple of wives and maybe my dad wasn't just right most of the time, but be that as it may, I had to go through this kind of process. Well, though, for me, I know it wasn't that for some of you. It was really easy. It's a shock you, huh? Look at me. I mean, I've got it made. I'm a bad man now. I mean, everybody jumps when I talk. They do. You, if I tell you to jump, you would have to because it's in the sermon now, okay? <laughs> so you would have to jump. <clears throat> My dad made your... I was, I was my dad's favorite, okay? Out of 12 sons, me, Joseph, I'm my dad's favorite. They said it was because Rachel was his wife, my mom, but whatever. <laughs> we know better. My dad made sure everyone knew I was his favorite. He went around telling everybody, that's my boy. That's my favorite son. And all the rest, of course, you can imagine how that went down. He used to tell all my brothers, I wished you were like Joseph. <laughs> of course, you know they didn't pat me on the back very well, and if they did, it was very hard after that. Since I was his favorite, I lacked for nothing. Literally, I lacked for nothing. I mean, if I even thought about it, it seems like it was already brought there. 
I mean, I was always taken care of first. Before all the others, I was asked what I needed, what I wanted, what I would be blessed by. Well, one time my dad had this special coat made for me. <clears throat> Pretty nice coat, huh? I mean, my dad had that especially made for me. I mean, really, that's made for me. The other brothers got nothing. I mean, I was strutting with this. No matter how hot or cold it was, I was wearing this. How awesome could it be? I mean, I was very special. It just proved to the others how special I really was. After this, I heard some talk from my brothers about how jealous they were. <laughs> I don't know why. But I just ignored them, of course. I really never had to work as hard as they did. I mean, look, I'm Joseph. I never had to do what they did. I mean, this is the God print on my life. I didn't know it. They didn't know it. But someday we would all see it. Can you tell us some of those God prints that impacted your life? I was 17. <clears throat> what a great age to be. I think I remember that. And my brothers were in Dothan working. My dad sends me to check on them to make sure things were okay. It was quite a journey. You know, I'm Joseph. I'm 17. I mean, I've been taken care of. I have a, not a silver spoon, a gold spoon in my mouth. I mean, uh, I have it made, so it's kind of shaky. I'm on my own doing this. But I finally found them. As I was walking up to greet them, they jumped on me and threw me in a pit. I can't imagine why. Thank God the pit was dry or I would have drowned. Have you ever felt like somebody threw you in a pit? You don't have to do it physically. Just sometimes they can do that with their words. Sometimes they can do that by ostracizing you. Sometimes they can do that by making you know that you're insignificant. This was a physical pit, but it also bothered me spiritually. I could hear them talking about what to do with me. I even heard them talking about murdering me. I'm shocked. I mean, I am their brother. Regardless that I'm the favorite, I am their brother. How could they say this? I even said, if you can get me out of this pit, I will forget the whole thing. I even said that I wouldn't tell dad. I wouldn't tell him anything that you did. Just, just let me loose. Let me have my freedom. They didn't listen. I realized at this point how much they hated and despised me. It's a very difficult time. Really, I have never been this scared in my life. Never have I ever been I was petrified. I was polarized. I was pulverized. Completely astonished at the situation that I was in. So what did I do? I became silent in the pit and just waited what would happen 
for what would happen next. I didn't know. I had never thought my life would end up like this. I didn't question God so much as I did just the fear had so entrapped me that I didn't know what to do. So besides just the coat that your dad gave you, can you tell us why your brothers would have treated you so hatefully? That was hateful. That was terrible. <clears throat> you know, I had about three days to think about this in the pit. Three days. And I was trying to think, why could they or how could they or have I really been, and I guess I really had been that bad. I guess I really did walk around arrogant. I guess I really did rub it in that I was the favorite. Uh, you know, even when I washed my coat of many colors, I even wore it while it dried out. I wanted them to remind I wanted to remind them it was me that daddy loved the best. It was me that he was focused on. And hmm? Yeah, I'm getting there. Don't rush me. Sometimes you new American people get ahead of what I want to say. Watch yourself. <laughs> Somebody was already pleading for you, but they didn't plead for me. Maybe the final straw was when I told him about a dream I had. <laughs> the dream that I pictured them bowing down and submitting to me. That's the dream. I could go into more of it, but that's really the crux of the dream. And when I told them this, they were absolutely beside themselves. What? Us bow to you? Of course, I didn't know the dream or understand it either, except that I had the dream, and little did I know, and they did not know that this was the God print on my life. After I told them this, they even stopped talking to me. This was way before I'm in the pit. They just stopped talking to me around the house. It was like I was at the table or I was out. And like it was, I was not around. I was absent from the party. I also had another dream I shared with my father at this time. He rebuked me as well. He insinuated that would he bow down to me? Of course, I didn't know what these dreams meant. I just knew I had these dreams and was sharing them with my dad. So I really wasn't sure what all this, was, what all this meant. But since I was still the favorite, <laughs> all was good, I thought. When I was in the pit, I began to be thinking about, really, how could this be happening to me? Little did I know these were steps in the God print of my life to bring about the plan and purpose of God. See, and while, we're, while I was going through this, like most of you, we really don't consider that even the roughest of times and the most difficult situations, God is there, and it's the God print on your life that he's trying to 
help you get to, help you see, so you can walk in his path and his purpose. Everybody has their own blueprint, but God, through Jesus, gives you a God print. So we know they didn't kill you because you're here. So they did not kill you in the pit. Um, I know they took your robe that they've been jealous of all that time. So what happened after the pit experience? The last thing I really heard them talking about was when I was in the pit. There were some Midianites coming. Then I heard them talking about selling me. Selling me? I'm your brother. How could you sell me? When the Midianites showed up, I don't have any animosity. I just want you to know. I just say that for emotion's sake. Let me tell you, that's not true. I do have some animosity, or I did. When the Midianites showed up at the pit, finally, they pulled me out. They gagged me so I couldn't talk and tell my story. And away I went like a common slave. Yeah, my brothers did that to me. Yes, the favorite. What would my dad think? Would I ever see my dad again? Would I ever see my mother again? At this point, I don't feel like the favorite. Isn't that what it feels like when you feel like God has turned his back on you? Little did I know this was still part of the God print that he had placed on me. My identity had been lost. Nobody knew who I was now. I'm a nobody in the hand of my captors to do whatever they see fit. I was scared, hungry, hopeless, thinking I would never see my family again. The last thing about it, the Midianites didn't keep me very long. They sold me to Potiphar. That's in Egypt, right? Yes, it is. Okay. So... You already have those two dreams. Have you had any more dreams? Well, after those two dreams and what happened, I don't know if I ever wanted to dream. Dreams? Are you kidding? I mean, I couldn't even sleep at night at this point. What dreams? The favorite was fastly fading. Yeah. Even the dreams I had had meant nothing to me at this time. Believe me, I didn't even think about those dreams. I was thinking of how I was going to survive this nightmare. That's the dream, only it was reality. You see, I did not listen when my dad talked to me about how God did mighty things in his life back in his day. I was too busy being the favorite. I was too busy thinking what I was going to get next and how I was going to be treated next. And now look where I am. I'm in a situation that truly is desperate. I'm desperate from one moment being somebody special to the next moment being nobody, nobody, period. A valueless person that had no say over his life. So this Potiphar guy in Egypt, did things get better with him? Well... Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh in Egypt. 
And at first, when I was at Potiphar's house, I was treated like everybody else. But when he noticed I had these organizational skills and that I could be trusted, he placed me over his entire estate. I mean, I was the man. He could leave, and I handled everything. He trusted me with money. He trusted me with uh, uh, assign it, assignments to other, other slaves. I mean, I had the run of the house. The problem is, Potiphar's wife thought I was cute, and I was. Why are you laughing? I was very cute, and I still am. I'm going to pray for y'all. <laughs> but I refused to do anything with her. See, I was responsible. I was given the authority. I was given the assignment over his entire estate. He had seen the integrity in me. He had seen the fact that God had his hand on me. How could I do? How could I even think about Sleeping with his wife. Impossible. I wouldn't do it. I stood my ground until finally one day she fabricated a story. Back then that word wasn't around, fabrication, but it sounds good. She makes up this story and says that I raped her. Is that crazy? I mean, things looked like they were going better when I got out of the pit and now... I'm sold to Potiphar, I'm the top dog as far as slaves, and all of a sudden through, and because of my integrity, I'm placed in another position of difficulty. Past my understanding, where is God? Maybe I didn't say that, and they didn't write it in the scripture maybe, but I assure you there are more things that I was thinking and maybe I thought than they wrote in the Bible, I assure you. When Potiphar got home from a trip, she told him, Potiphar's wife told him that I tried to rape her. I kind of tried to make my case known and try to talk with him just a little bit, but he wouldn't hear of it. You have to understand, back in those days, slaves didn't open their mouth. He said I was guilty, so they put me in prison. Hmm. What was going on in life? From the pit to prison. But there was always this voice in me. I want to help you today, some of you. There was always this voice in me that gave me peace and comfort. I think Potiphar saw this as well. God was with me even now. And even in my most chaotic times, I know he's there. So, you don't look very happy about prison. What was prison like? Were you ready to about give up after all your trials? Well, you can see it there. I wasn't eating real well. (laughs) Of course, I'll be honest. In that picture, I was holding my stomach in. (laughs) I should have took it sideways. But I'm still cute. 
What do you think? Okay. What was it like? Was I ready to give up? It is written in the scripture about God will never leave you nor forsake you. I know that's a few thousand years away. But since God was with me and in me, even at this point, I knew that was still true. I never really thought about quitting or giving up, George. Never. I just, I just thought about enduring because I didn't know how long this was going to last. At first, I was in disbelief. Wouldn't you be? I'm still thinking about being the favorite. I'm still thinking about how quick I got out of the pit, how great it looked at Potiphar's, and all of a sudden, I'm back in dire straits once again. Just when I thought about giving up, the warden of the prison put me in charge of the prison. Whoopee. He did. See, it seems like everywhere I went, people saw the God print on my life. I know in your life, people see it in yours. But things won't change until you begin to see it too. I think that's why I stayed the course, is because even though they saw it, I felt it and I knew it was there. Every time it seemed like I was helpless, hopeless, and desperate beyond belief, Something would happen for God to ensure me. Stay the course. Stay the course. And I did. I was top in the prison. That means I got to eat more than everybody else, but I really didn't. I shared it with everybody. See, God was taking me from the favorite to help those around me become the favorite. I didn't eat more food, although I got more food. I didn't eat the best food, even though I got the best food. In prison, I gave it to others. See, God is taking me from me thinking I'm all of that and showing me that he's all of that. This is the God print on my life. I could be angry right now, you know, during this time. I could be really mad at God. I could be really mad at my brothers. I could be so angry. But if I were to allow those things to happen at this point, I would have never been made in the person in charge of the prison, the administrator. Just think. The guy in charge of the prison didn't want to do his job, and he trusted me to do it. I, at times, he even gave me the keys. But my integrity was so good that I wouldn't let anybody out, not even myself. I began to see the God print that followed me everywhere I went. But I was still in prison. (laughs) You asked, did you ever think of what your brothers did to you? That's a stupid question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I miss my dad and mom. I really did. I even missed my brothers to a point where maybe I would have liked to have been ignored once again by my family. So we can tell you did not stay in prison because this is the final product right here. 
So how did you get out of prison? How did I get out of prison? Well, I didn't think I ever would. Most of the times when you get into a Egyptian prison, it's life. No matter what the sentence is, it's a lifetime because the, you're put in there and they forget you. But that's a story in itself, so let's talk about it. One day, the cupbearer and the chief baker were sentenced to prison. I don't know, the king or Pharaoh was mad one day. and You know, when they first got there, they were really disappointed because they come from uh, the penthouse and now they're in the outhouse. And when they get there, I try to console them like I do all of them in prison and telling them we can do this. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it. It's going to be okay. They wouldn't listen too good. Then one day they told me they had a dream. I'm kind of sick of dreams at this point. No about you, but <laughs> I didn't know the dream I had was going to take me to the journey through the God print on my life. I interpreted their dreams. And the interpretation that I gave them came to pass. The cupbearer was restored. The sad thing is the chief, the chief baker's head was taken off. He probably didn't want that interpretation. But I can only say what God told me. No matter how arrogant I was when I was a child, I was still the same. I would only say what I saw in God when I had those kind of dreams. I told the cupbearer, don't forget me. Really, I'm not guilty for why I'm in here. So don't forget me when you come to when you come to Pharaoh and, and you get back and you're, you know what a cupbearer is. A cupbearer, he's the one that drinks everything before the Pharaoh does. So if the Pharaoh's poisoned, the cupbearer dies first. So I told him, don't forget to tell Pharaoh where I'm at, why I'm here, and I'm not guilty. So see, I still had some, but I didn't do anything wrong attitude. And you know, maybe I didn't. to Potiphar's wife. Maybe I didn't. But I had many things wrong with me. Because there was a place God was taking me and I think as I told you earlier, I was prolonging that journey. God was breaking me so he could use me. God was emptying all of me out and believe me, I had a lot to pour. Maybe some of you do today. Maybe you wonder why you're still in the shape you're in, the condition you're in, the fact that you're not moving forward and it seems like you're repeating things that you should be over by now. Maybe the God print can't progress. It's like a fingerprint. It just goes around until you go to the next level. Around. I don't know. Before long, finally, the king had a dream, or Pharaoh had a dream. None of his sorcerers, none of his shamans, none of his, none of his people could interpret this dream. He had two of them. Long story short, 
The cupbearer says, hey, there's this guy in prison named Joseph. We had a dream one time. Man, did it turn out good for me. Not so good for the chief baker. But it was great for me. I think he's a guy that can interpret dreams. That was two years later. So they run to the prison and tell me to get ready. And I can't come up like I was. You saw how I looked. So they had to clean me up and I had to shave and bathe and they put on some decent clothes on me and the king came to me and another long story short, gave me his dream and I said, only by the grace of God will I be able to interpret this. So I went away and came back a few days later. I told Pharaoh, this is his dream. There would be a famine. But there would be preparation before the famine if he could find someone that knew what they were doing. (laughs) So you know what happened? He said, well, if you can interpret the dream, why would you not be the one that would be that person that has that kind of strategy and administrative gifting to be able to take care of our preparations before this Seven-year famine. Next thing I know, they put this on me. They put necklaces on me. He, in front of everybody, I'm behind his chariot in my own chariot. I have servants now. I'm second in command. He says, do what Joseph says, no matter what. No matter what. I am almost beside myself, but I have to contain myself because this might be a dream. (laughs) But it's not a dream. It's the truth. I do go from the outhouse to the penthouse just because of the God print. It was nothing I could do. And that's what God was showing me through all of these steps. I want to share that with you today. Some of you are still struggling while you're where you are. I think we get born again and we forget that it's God's print on your life that wants to take you to a specific journey to represent his kingdom, which also may be some suffering along the way. That is such a great ending, how you ended up after all of that. So I guess that's the end of the story. Well, not really. I was still ticked at my brother's. I know most preachers don't preach that. Matter of fact, I think I'm the only one that ever says anything about Joseph himself and Dennis Hill. You know, he's kind of the same person sort of today. <laughs> if y'all didn't know that, I'm sure y'all didn't know that, but I know Dennis pretty good. He preaches that, that most people say that Joseph was so forgiving of his brothers. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's not true at all. I had a vendetta against my brothers. I wanted to get even with my brothers. As a matter of fact, when the famine was really in its uh, prime, thank you, my brothers show up to buy food for for their family. They didn't recognize me, but I recognized them. And I went, oh my God. 
I did. I said, is this dream coming to pass before my eyes? The one that I had before I was 17, it was the God print that this would actually happen. And here it is, my brothers are bowing down to me. See, at that period of time, no matter who you were, when you were in charge, everybody that came into your presence, of course, being dressed like this, they bowed before me and asked permission to speak. I wasn't that I was, it wasn't that I was so happy that they were doing this. I was like, I began to start seeing things and flashes. And I started to realize this is really God in this. What is going on here? Believe it or not, I did forgive them. We were family once again. They went and got my father. It was a great reunion. We both wept on each other. I was his favorite, you know. Thought I'd never seen. My mother died. I didn't know, but having Benjamin, she died, so I never got to see her again. I did get to see Benjamin, and I gave him twice what everybody else got because he was my real brother. He understood, I'm sure, what I went through because his mother was Rachel as well. My brothers were really afraid when they found out that it was me. You know what they thought I was going to do to them? You know. Put them in prison, maybe even kill them. And I would like to tell you, it's not written in the scriptures, but some of these thoughts cross my mind. I'm only human. But I let the God print take over. And as a result, I told him, as it says in the scripture, God allowed all this stuff to happen to me so that they could be saved. It was a time just right for me, the God in me, to shine. So they didn't have to be afraid any longer. I didn't hold a grudge any longer. I was in my purpose. I was in the full God print, in the middle of that print. And everything that God was doing in me was radiating out to the benefit of others. Did you hear what I said? Is that your life? Everything you do is radiating out for the benefit of others. Is that your life? So that is pretty much the end of the story. Do you want to share some lessons you learned from all these events that took place in your life? I I think I could. Okay. From the three years with Potiphar, the ten years in prison... And the nine plus years serving Pharaoh, it was 20 
two years before I saw my family. The truth is, I never knew I'd see my family again. Some of you have family that you see, but you really don't see them because you're not looking at your family through your God print. You're their deliverance, but you don't see that because you're still looking at them in the natural when you should be looking at them through the purpose of God in your life so that they can recognize and see the God in you. Like everybody, listen, I'm not saying this on my behalf. God put this in me so that every situation I was in, everyone saw the God print on my life. 22 years. That's how long it took for God to put, get me to a place where he can go, now, now, some of you are waiting for a now, now I can put you second in command to save and build a place for, it will be like an incubation place for my people in Egypt. Now, aren't you ready for now? You've been on a wait for a long time. Maybe 22 years, maybe longer. Maybe 40 years. Moses, if you'll remember, I know Moses. I've heard his story too, you know. 40 years. 40 years. He had 40 and 40 years before God ever used him. Before he recognized the God print on his life. I learned many things from this assignment. Yes, it was my assignment. Do you understand the things that we are going through are our assignments? And I know you don't like them, and sometimes I don't either, but they're still our assignments. I'm not even telling you all of what happened to me, but if I did, as you can see, it's still difficult to know that he had to take this arrogant self and break it to a place that it was the same thing as going through the cross. Yes, I knew about the cross even then because the Spirit of God was in me. I haven't experienced it, but I knew it. Number one, let me tell you, being the favorite in the natural had spiritual emphasis the coat of many colors was a coat that meant the process that I would need to become an administrative deliverer. See, it was a coat of many colors. Like I was going to, to be used in many situations to save the masses. Jesus wore that same coat. He would die on a cross equipped to cover the world. For God did so love the world. So the coat really wasn't just a coat of admiration. The pit, I stayed in there three days. It reminds me of a type and a shadow of our Savior. I rose from the pit in three days. Jesus rose from the grave in three days. I thought I would die. He did. Number three, I was sold into slavery. The purpose of God is the privilege to suffer. I know that won't be popular in America today. It won't be popular at this church called the Remnant. Definitely won't be popular anyplace else. 
Most people in church don't talk about suffering much because it's not the bless me, bless me, bless me club. Let me tell you something. If you don't go through suffering, don't tell me about your blessing because it's not from God. You will have to suffer. Do I want it to be the main part of your life? No, but it will be a part of you becoming and realizing the God print upon your life. Sold into slavery, the purpose of God is the privilege to suffer. Can you say amen to that? Or oh me. Number four, falsely accused. You know what it... Well, I, what I learned in that being falsely accused is God is my source. I would dare say there's not a one of us in here that hadn't been falsely accused from time to time. And instead of trying to justify or I just had to lean on God because nobody would listen. And as you well see, take a look. God rectified the situation. Number five, patience. You know what that was? God was waiting on me. And aren't you? It says in the Bible, God is long-suffering. Come on, somebody. For 22 years, God was waiting on me. I wasn't waiting on God God's ready right now. God wants to do something big in your life right now. He's not looking for the next catastrophe. He's not looking for you to make another crazy decision to, for you to be desperate and hopeless and helpless. Why, well, he's, he's long-suffering. That's what it taught me. Six. His God print was totally different than my blueprint. <laughs> I know I'm laughing and you're not. You know why? Because each of you have your own blueprint. Each of you think, you, here's how I want my life to go. And God said, when you gave yourself to me, here's how your life is going to go. You got your blueprint, but he's got his God print. You said you wanted his God print. <laughs> I know, I felt the same way. I'm not mocking you. Seven, for all of you New Testament believers, I learned this. I can do all things, Philippians 4.13, through Christ who strengthens me. All things. See, I look at, let me read the next verse to you. And then I also learn number eight, Romans 8, 28. Y'all know Romans 8, 28. Everybody knows Romans 8, 28. I'm not so sure we believe it, but we know it. It's like when catastrophes happen and my wife will say, well, the scripture says, and I go, giving me scriptures, not it. I know those scriptures. I need God to show up. Well, she goes, well, if you don't believe his word, how can he show up? And we know all things. 
work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. What the common denominator in these two verses, Philippians 4.13, I can do what? And we know that. So I think all things is the common. I think you have all on one track and things on the other. And that's how Christians roll. This is how we roll. All things I can do, all things are working for me. That's the tracks we're on. All things. And in between the all things, you go to Romans 12. And it talks about the gifts, in, the, the, the gifts of God. It talks about how each one of us are gifted. I don't believe in Philippians 4.13, the all things for me, they're not the same for you. I think we quote those scriptures and we say, well, I can do all, I cannot be a doctor. I cannot be an engineer. I cannot be certain things that people say that this scripture means. I can only know that I can do all things and all things work because of the giftings that I've been given. That's the parameters that these scriptures work. This is what happened to me. I was an administrator. My gifting and calling was an administrator to be able to stand confidently before Men, women, children, in the masses. And then God would give me his strategic plan through interpretation of dreams and then a a plan to overcome the problem these dreams might have brought. I want you to know it was difficult. But I wouldn't trade it. I would not trade this entire adventure. It was the new frontier. It was the next situation. I'm sure there are many that are still coming for me. Are they still coming for you? Have you thought about this? What's the next frontier? There is another one. So what's the God print that's leading you there? Can I help you just a second? Stay out of prison. No, not the kind. It's spiritual prison. Stay out of the spiritual prison. Come on. Be submissive to God in whatever season you're in. Quit asking. I do it too, but I'm going to tell you. It doesn't say that I did this in the scripture, but quit asking why. It only makes you miserable because he's not going to show you until you get to the place where you understand through all the process. And then you don't ask why. You go, yeah, I got it. Isn't it the truth, Robert? All of what you go through, you're sitting there going, why, why, why? And all of a sudden you get where you're supposed to be. And like he did with me, I go, I got it. I got it. That's what he's doing to some of you today. It may not be the most popular move, but as I open this sermon with and title of, I think we're the ones that prolong the work of God in our life. Not God. But he's patient. 
He's waiting on you, and he loves you. I want to say this to you today. Do you have a God print on your life? took me a long time to recognize that God print. I was filled with his spirit. That's the only reason I could, that, that people could look at me and see something different in me. But even at that, I was full of pride. I was arrogant. I operated within my own means. And God said, I got to use him in about 22 years, and I can't use him like he is. As a matter of fact, I forgot to tell you this. When I was 30, that's when I came out of prison. Just to let you know, I was a type and a shadow of the Messiah to come. I wasn't the Messiah, but I was a type. Because I did deliver people through the God print on my life. At age 30, I was taken out of prison and put in this position. At age 30, Jesus' ministry started because that was the time that people were called to the priesthood. So I was a type and a shadow of the Messiah to come. Do you have a God print on your life today? I know all of us have been through many, many difficult situations. And if you're still alive, they're still to come. Just recently, I learned that I lost one of my best friends that I went to high school with to make it relevant that I was in prison with. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him. Makes me, my heart is still hurting that I, I really loved him. Do you have a God print on your life? A true God print on your life. If you die today, would you know without a shadow of a doubt you'd go to heaven? See, but the whole deal is not even that. It's I know that Jesus is in me right now. I don't have to argue about it. I don't have to, when somebody, it doesn't matter. I know that no matter what situation I'm in, if I'm not recognizing it, it's not God's fault. But he's there. He's in me. He's saying, come on, let this print play out. Let this part play out. I got you. I'm going to pull you through. Are you, are you sure that you're, you are a son of God? Not the son of God, a son of God. If you are, that's excellent. If you're not, I want to pray with you today. Online, if you're not sure you're born again, it's so important. It's the greatest decision I made 40 years ago. 40 years I have been serving the master. Yes, the master. <laughs> He's my master. <laughs> I choose for him to be my master. I embrace the thumbprint, the blueprint, the God print that he's placed on my life. Anyone in here not sure they're not born again, would you please raise your hand? I have to put my hand over. Anybody? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm just going to pray for you. Anybody in here? Oh, y'all are such a quiet crowd today. I love you so much. 
See, I, I've loved you, and I didn't even know you. I love you very, very much. I pray for each one of you. And I pray that you follow after the God print on your life because only in this God print will you find fulfillment. Everything else will not satisfy your appetite. You'll always be longing for something that never satisfies. Well, I hope you got something from this uh, 